Welcome to Lion Fury Episode 7. I'm your host, Danny Thomas. Enjoy the ride. It's our failures that, that, that define us, really. I think they're extremely important. And um, if you're going to be making a career out of living from your own creativity, I think you need to be well prepared that there's going to be a number of failures along the way. Thank you for joining guys. Lion Fury is dedicated to sharing insights into how we can live more conscious lives in line with our authentic selves. I am no expert. It's an ongoing journey. I see the podcast as a quest for truthful moments that can hopefully benefit you, the listener. Before I introduce today's guest, I would like to offer this idea about following your path. So here goes. True liberation comes when you stop adhering to other people or society's beliefs about who they think you should be. Often it's more about them than you. If you pursue your dreams, it is confronting to those who have never had the courage to pursue theirs. It shines a light back on them. It's about taking the time to separate yourself from all the surrounding noise, be it family, work or social media. Listen to your instincts, trust them, fight the incessant self-talk, grit your teeth and take a baby step in that direction. I would also say if you're in a work environment and something feels not quite right, question the hand that feeds you. Be brutally honest. Does your boss respect what you do or are you just a means of profit for them? Do you feel supported? I'm not suggesting all bosses are evil and to quit your job. Merely just more awareness toward what's best for you. My guest today is definitely someone who has fiercely pursued his dream. Original singer-songwriter Joel Hevia. Joel, another fellow Aussie here in Hamburg, is one of the hardest working independent musicians I know, regularly touring in Germany, Europe and at home in Australia. He tours both solo and with his band the Joel Hevia Trio and his body of work includes the album Setting Sail, You Make Me Believe and the Strings and Wood EP. What many people don't know is that Joel originally stepped away from a lucrative career as an engineer and pilot to pursue a career in music. In this first part, he shares how he made the transition. Enjoy, guys. See you on the flip side. I'm a musician these days, full time. I've done many different things in, in my, uh, my journey to this point, I guess. Um, it was funny yesterday, I just, uh, a friend of mine sent me a photo of uh, me. Um, the first time I ever took up, I, I was, I'm a trained pilot, and the first time I ever took up uh, passengers was um, when I was 18, and a mate sent me a photo yesterday of that day, because I was just t- texting him on Facebook, and I was just in Sweden with the, the other friend that we took up, it was Chris and, and Aaron, and. Um, we were laughing because the first time I ever took up passengers, Chris, my mate who now lives in Sweden, was uh, ended up throwing up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just we were reminiscing about down on so Facebook. So that was flying a little Cessna in. in oh, that was a little, yeah, a little Piper Warrior, like a single engine. Joel, 
uh, is an aerospace engineer originally. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the big themes on this this podcast so far is is transiting out of out of uh, particular paths and and finding finding a path that's probably more aligned with your true self. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're absolutely a a prime example of of someone who's done that and yeah. and um, took the necessary time to transcide fully. Just that transition out of engineering. What was the what was well, the trigger? Well, was there a triggering moment, or it was just well, a I general guess, build? I guess it's funny. Like you know, like you you can look back at your life after a certain point, and there seems to be real um, clarity. You know, you look back with hindsight, and you can kind of say well i did this and that led to a and b happening and c and d but um there was really i i I didn't really know what i wanted to do when i was 18 you know like most people um and i finished high school i I did pretty well i was was quite competitive with my sister and i wanted to beat her and to score that was my main motivation driving force (laughs) that was my driving force um and then i my sister was studying law and I had, I had down law, science law the whole time. I, and, um, I got to the last day before I was going to submit my preferences. I'm just giving you a bit of background. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I had like eight different courses. You know, I had architecture and journalism. Oh, architecture yeah. was in there as well. Yeah, because I, I, I had no idea, literally. I just, and, and I went and set, I'd set the journalism entrance exam at RMIT and I had law down there and... Um, and then I had also had aerospace engineering and aviation. Funnily enough, I didn't have music there at all because at the time music was only kind of a hobby and I'd, I'd been, I'd only written a few songs and it was, you know, something that I really loved doing, but I never really imagined it could be a career. So, um, the day before my, I submitted my preferences, I just, I'd looked at the list and I thought, oh, this, this course actually sounds cool. You get to fly planes and build rockets. <laughs> <laughs> so I changed my preferences and yeah, I guess the rest is history, you know? So going back to the, like the, to the path that it, it led me on, well, I, I ended up studying um, and finishing the course in five years and then worked as an engineer for a number of years and that also included a six-month uh, internship in Germany. It was my first time in Europe in uh, 2005. I was in Bosch in Nuremberg for six months. And... Um, Went back to Australia, and at that point, I guess my music had was growing the whole time. You know, I was playing more gigs around Melbourne. I was writing more songs, and I was starting to think, yeah, I could. You know, I would love to do this as a career. I didn't know how it was possible, but um, I kind of made up my mind towards the end of my course. I was like, all right, I'm going to go do Germany and do this internship. When I come back, I'm going to be a musician. And um, I remember when you come back to Australia, to Oz, right? yeah. So I got back to Australia at the end of 2005 and I was broke and my mom had sold the child to my like adolescent house in the meantime and she was living in a two bedroom apartment in Secure with my brother and, and I was sleeping on a couch and you know I was broke and I remember I went down to the Dole office the unemployment office and um good old Centrelink yeah because I, I got the Dole for the first couple of months I was back and um they asked me, you know, what do you do? And, and I said, oh, I'm a musician, you know. I was really happy and uh, just to, just, to just, have just, that type to just to that, say that, to, you just know. Just to say it out loud. Yeah. And, um, but then, like, the, I guess the, the realities of the situation hit home. Like, I was, you know, I could have pursued music then, but then I would have had to work in a bar and, um, 
you know, I didn't really have any network. I didn't have that many original songs. So then I ended up getting a job as an engineer, you know, and I did that for a couple of years. That's what all my friends from uni were in the industry and it was quite easy to get work. But um, I guess the frustration was growing the whole time I was working because, um, you know, I had that passion that there was something else I really wanted to do that I knew that I needed to do somehow. And after two and a half years, I um, just sort of threw it all in and went traveling, which is, um, which is a good way to, to get some new perspective. And we're traveling with my brother and um, two of our best mates. And that trip really kind of threw us all around the world. Like, I think I ended up in Germany. Fats ended up in Colombia. Oh, really, as yeah. a result? Yeah. Kingy ended up in Darwin. And then David was ended up in Canada, Germany. He was back. He was in Mexico last year, but now he's back in Melbourne. And um, so it was pretty life changing for everybody. Yeah, it was 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 a big trip. You know, like we all left, and we we didn't know when we. Were, I wouldn't have thought I'd still be overseas almost ten years later, but um, we we left, and I, I guess we were all open for whatever opportunities presented themselves. And then I ended up in Germany after ten months traveling, and was in Berlin for six months and it was like the the same old story back in, back in Melbourne in 2006. I was, I wanted to be a musician, you know, I was playing a few gigs around town and, and, you know, that's a good thing about Berlin. You can survive on next to nothing. Yeah. But uh, eventually I was like, I was running out of money and um, I needed to bite the bullet and I got a job in engineering again in Hamburg through, uh, old connections frosty a friend of ours who used to live across the road from here <laughs> i don't know if you want, frosty I, don't, for <laughs> I don't know if you want to disclose your address yet to all your <laughs> listeners but um yeah so i got a job in hamburg and that's basically what led me to hamburg so if i'm looking back at my whole life trajectory it's like you know it's essentially what i studied led me to germany which is now where i have a band and i've built up a network and i've written most of my songs here you know i've I've got a lot of inspiration out of this country. Um, I think Germany can do that. It can take you by surprise a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, I was based in London and then and then had a small trip to Germany and was just, there was something here that was like, oh, I'd like to spend more time here. It's a similar... Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I had that exact feeling the first time I was in Berlin. It was um, summer, it was like a, a summer day, 2005, and we did like one of those organized pub crawls, you know. And you know, Berlin has, like, I'm a, I'm a real big... big uh, energy person so are you and uh, you know I believe cert, you know certain cities have like a magical energy and, and Berlin for me especially at that time uh, you, I could, you could just really feel it and, uh, spot, on. And, spot on and I really I knew that I wanted to go back and spend more time there I think it's the same it, um, I, you know I was in London and I, and I had a weekend in Berlin and I'd been in London which can which is an amazing city but it can kick you if, you, if you're doing the artist thing mm. And then I just had this weekend in Berlin and I was in these bars and it's exactly as you say, it was like the, there's a frequency there. Mm. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't resonate in London at and all. It was, yeah. a po- it was a positivity. It was like a, an absolute a, a positive, you know, an appreciation, just just an, a positive appreciation for people having a crack at like anything, mm. albeit music. And I tapped into that pretty pretty quick as you obviously Mm. did as well and that's yeah. con- I think it's contagious yeah definitely yeah definitely I mean it took me a few years to get back there I didn't I, that was the first time I was in Berlin was 2005 and um, 
I didn't end up going back to to live there until the end of 2008. But um, yeah, so um, just to wrap up that part of the story, I was I moved to Hamburg, and you know it was the same old story. I was working full time for the first 12 months, and um, but I had a really cool boss. I I showed up to my job interview with my guitar actually. I don't know if I told you that story. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because I had I was still living in Berlin at the time. <laughs> and it was I set in stone right there. <laughs> yeah. And I and I had um I had a gig in Berlin that night. Directly after that, I had to go jump on the train and go straight back to Berlin, go straight to the gig. So I remember I was standing in Ultron at the office in, in a suit holding a guitar and my um my manager he's like actually running the company now. He's like same age as me, but he's just super super motivated, career-minded person. And um, he saw me standing there with a the guitar and he just started pissing himself laughing. And I, <laughs> I think that's why I gave him the job in a way because we, we ended up speaking that for about my trip and how I'd played music in Greece for a few months. And, you know, he was more interested in that. I guess there was a part of him that had never been able to do anything like that because he was so career-minded you know he didn't have time to travel and follow his, his other creative passions and stuff so you almost inspired him a little maybe bit maybe own. i don't know that's just i was just thinking about it in you know later you know a later point but he um after my after working full-time for a year he actually suggested you know um he said to me in my my one year and you know review he said uh, if you if you want you can actually start working part-time and focus you know more on music if you want and i was like are you serious i don't know i think <laughs> he, it's actually, possible. He, he suggested, suggested that. yeah it's amazing yeah so um that led to me working four years part-time and i was doing 20 hours a week engineering and the rest um music which i was which, just gonna say i think i think it's it's almost a, uh when you're highly qualified mm. it, it's almost a, a little bit of a hindrance in a way because it's such a pull like as you say, when things get tough, because you got this this massive qualification, it's like that that's such a pull that pulls you back into the, oh, yeah. into the workforce. So my, my point is, it's kind of like having such a well. I mean, like I, like like you like I was saying, like if you weigh up the option of working in a bar for maybe ten to fifteen bucks an hour, or working as an engineer for thirty or forty an hour, I mean, it's not. It's not really. Yeah, it's. It sucks, but you know, money is is the deciding factor in that in that in that. But, but it's brilliant story. that he put, he put that on the table and that allowed you to strip it back to part time and, mm. and then begin the transition. Yeah, and it was a slow transition. You know, I I needed to. Um, I took. I think when I first moved to Hamburg, I stopped playing. Um, well, shortly after I moved here, I stopped playing cover gigs because I thought, you know, I've got a steady income now. I don't need to waste well maybe waste is the wrong word I don't need to spend any of my energy um, playing other people's music you know I should use that creating my own and um, working on building up my own networks network and just finding my own creative voice my you know my artistic um, voice and um, especially when you're working you know as you know when you're when you're working full time or even part time you have limited energy you know and you need to, I guess, you, for my experience, I needed to focus that. Short moment to hear from our sponsor, the Onada Siesta Chair. And this week, we've flown him in all the way from Australia as a guest announcer, the one, the only, iconic Mr. John Deeks. Take it away, John. 
Hi, John Deeks here, and that was John Farnham, A Touch of Paradise, driving you home, 3 AD. <laughs> Hi, John Deeks here, and that was John Farnham, A Touch of Paradise, driving you home, 3 AW, easy listening, Friday afternoon. And another form of paradise is the siesta chair. That's right. When you're feeling the need to relax with you or your family, well, probably just you, then the siesta chair is your best option. Inspired from Mediterranean-inspired wood from somewhere, the siesta chair will give you relaxation like you've never experienced before. And if you apply now, we'll give you a 2.5% discount on your purchase, no questions asked. The siesta chair. Relax in style. It's an honor and a privilege to have had John on the show, though I think he might have had a few too many drinks on the flight over. It's actually a 5% discount when you mention Lion Fury, and the chair is made of birch timber. Check out www.onada.com.au. Now back to the show. I mean, that's not to say as well that uh, engineering is, is a, a shitty profession. I, I met, a, especially in Germany, I met some like amazing engineers. These guys were like really passionate about their work and, you know, did a lot of extra reading and just really were on the ball and, knew, you know, knew the knew their topics. And um, those, guys, those guys were actually inspiring to be around and, and inspiring to be around anyone who loves their job. Same in architecture. You know? yeah. Same in architecture. And I find it's actually similar to you. I don't think I was a great architect. I mean, I just, I just put my head down and worked, like, just mm. worked as hard as I could and just, just knocked out what I had to. And I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good with people. So. Yeah. But I don't think... Yeah. But um, no, the, the same deal there was very inspiring met many inspiring architects mm. who are just amazing at what they're doing exactly and, yeah. and that's 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 awesome. great that's yeah. absolutely the thing. yeah um so yeah and then so it, w- it was a slow when you went part-time it was a slow it was a slow transition yeah and it's eventually I, I i still remember the first time like uh i think it was after yeah it was, it was shortly after that yearly meeting and then I had another follow-up and we decided to go part-time and my salary got cut in half and um but then all of a sudden I had I only had to work till Wednesday lunch and I had the rest of the week and I just the I would say I would say my happiness more than doubled even though my wage you know was cut in half and um it was uh it was it was a great time actually just having that freedom and not having the I guess having not having the financial um, stress and that we, was we touched on this with Marla in the interview that the concept of having to be a broke mm. artist mm. it's a little bit miss uh, it doesn't have it doesn't have to be that way because it's almost like if you're if you're scrounging and, and mm. like I th- it can almost cause a block yeah yeah and it can affect your, your creativity and, yeah. and you don't necessarily have to be tortured and and living in the gutter to produce great true art. true um so if the fact that you had a little bit of security mm. time yeah time is the 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 commodity exactly in a way yeah that's it's the, actually the the most precious the commodity. most precious yeah. commodity mm. and that gave you a bit of a platform to mm. to, to roll on um so then Obviously, that's like, uh, you know, uh, in terms of your song inspiration stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, that directly inspired 
day job blues. And there's a, there's a lyric in that track about Jesus. What's the lyric? Even Jesus had a day job. <laughs> and um, you have said to me a couple of times this... Um, this oh, if anybody's listening is, is super religious. I was actually... I was Because uh, I was in Denmark uh, uh, last week and... What was Jesus' day job? <laughs> Well, no, he, he, was, he was a carpenter. He was right? a carpenter. Yeah. yeah, he was a craftsman. And um, you know what I'm what I mean by that is it just I'm making light of the fact that Jesus was a human and therefore had to he suffered from human problems like the rest of us, you know, um, which is an interesting way to look at Jesus. And I was in Denmark. I played a gig like a couple of weeks ago, and this. I, played the day job blues and it's last song before the break and then this lady came up to me and was like she came up to me in the break and she had this strange look on her face and she's like she was very religious well i don't know her first her leading question was are you a jew and i was like uh no what do you why do you say that she said well i just thought you were being really critical of jesus but if you were jewish then i would understand it wow <laughs> which which i don't really know i don't really understand it's that. not a criticism at all no it's no, not it's not in that context no. in any way shape or form and i tried to explain it you know the, about you know i was actually yeah. raised quite religious my grandfather was a dutch reformed church minister and as soon as you drop the j-bomb yeah it's true <laughs> true no, no it's true because i have had that uh, but like uh, i remember playing that song once and some americans from iowa got that is you know I guess I never heard Jesus in a, in a secular song. I think, I think maybe Jesus was like a, a modern day celebrity of his, of his time, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Jerusalem's got talent. <laughs> <laughs> Could be another song in that one, though. <laughs> but that, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a strong, a strong lyric, which um, obviously comes from your transition in a way out of... Yeah, that was... Uh, I came up with that lyric... Um, with uh, our good friend Tony Potts, um, and uh, yeah, may or may not have been a magic mushrooms at the time. But <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I remember this. Yeah, that line came into my head, and I just thought it was hilarious. Speaking and of inspiring great art, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if that's in your list of questions. <laughs> but I think um, the list of questions is going out the window, to be honest. Is it? Yeah, in a way. Well, um, yeah. So basically. I transitioned into being a full-time musician about three years ago. And um, from that point, I've just been, yeah, living for my music. I guess living the dream. So to, to wrap up that section in terms mm. of dreams, if, what, would you, what would you say to people who might be in that position where they're, they're, they're trying to balance a, a full-time job, but that something in them is telling them that this is not in line with perhaps their true self or their dream what would you say what would you say well you know everybody's in a different position you know like obviously i don't have any i don't have any kids and i don't have any mortgages and stuff like that but um if you're able to and you can afford it i'd say the best the best uh, way forward would be to just inquire if you could start working less you know why do we have to work 35 40 hours a week you know like uh some companies will make you do that, you know, it's, but other companies, surprisingly, I guess in Germany, like, uh, I was, at, I was the first person in my company to work part-time who wasn't pregnant, you know, but there's a first time for everything. You can always ask. And, um, I think you'll find that most people, especially managers who have, who are in a position of power, who are able to grant 
which is like this. Um, in order to have got to those positions, they would have had to create. You know, they would have had to make a lot of sacrifices in their own lives. And um, I think, from my experience, like seeing when they see other people who are, who are willing to, you know, turn their back on the whole corporate corporate game and climbing the ladder, I think that's, people will uh, generally get behind it. Yeah, and I think I think perhaps bosses will be more accommodating than than people might mm. might think. And again, yeah. there might be a fear in 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 asking the boss just take a risk and try it. They can only say no. Exactly. But that's a really good practical approach. It's like, don't just pack in your packing. And your also cons- conserve your energy. You know, pick your projects. Like, uh, um, if you want to do original music, don't play. Start playing covers. You know, don't you don't need to do that yeah. if you've got an income source from somewhere else. You know. Yeah. Um, I think covers is cover music is one of the biggest traps you can fall into as a musician. I agree with you. I, I come from a more of a punk rock background, but mm. um, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I just, I just think playing someone else's material. Oh, don't get me wrong. I did it for years. It's, it's a lot of fun, and it's easy. The audience knows the material. They, you know, they'll get into it. It's um. It doesn't take as much work from you, like, uh, um, doesn't take as much out of your soul to perform as well. You just kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. take as much out of you to yeah. get up and there. I'm, sure, I'm sure it teaches, I'm sure it teaches playing other people's stuff. It, it teaches a lot. And oh, it's all, it's all, it's all part of the, uh, the, the process. I think, you know, I started playing covers with my brother for, for years and, um, you know, we, we sort of did it all around the world. So you're in an interesting position now where you ha- where you can you can tour solo or you can take the guys with you because obviously there's the the Joel Javier trio. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I mean, might, they might be on a future episode of the podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That'd be awesome. There's room uh, for trio here on the podcast. <laughs> that would be classic. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I, I'm interested in, because um, I've always just been in, in rock bands, mm. You get in a room, you have a few beers, you knock out songs. But um, in terms of your collaborative process, how, how you go about it yourself in a more isolated context and then how you work with the guys and how you find when you're touring solo and when you're touring with the, with the, with the guys. Well, I think creatively, um, I generally write the songs and then bring them to the rehearsal room. We haven't done much co-writing together, but we plan to do a bit more for the next, for our next album. Um, and then we'll arrange the songs together, you know, in the rehearsal room. So like, um, they might have some ideas for saying, Oh, you know, why don't we go into the bridge here? Or why don't we try a different time signature or whatever, a different groove. And, um, so you, you pretty much follow the same, the same approach or um, to, to, to new songs or it's, yeah, it depends. You know, sometimes the songs um, just work solo as well. It's funny, I, I do have like kind of a different set when I play solo, when I play with the band, because there are songs that I've tried to play solo that don't really work without the other guys and it's, and vice versa. You know, there are songs that kind of, with the band, I guess I could play them, but it's um, they also work really well by myself, you know. And... Um, so I really enjoy having the two different, the two different mm. avenues, you know, um, mm. obviously touring with, um, other people is a lot more fun than touring by yourself, but it's touring is very different to, um, for example, I've got a lot of friends who are pilots 
and they fly for big airlines and you know i've had a bit of a taste of that life too i was spent a few days in hong kong with my mate who plays for you know he doesn't play he flies for Qantas. <laughs> plays for Qantas. Yeah. and um they have a sweet life you know they get picked up in the airport in a bus and then you know they start sinking beers go to the like we walked into the hotel and there was this there was a hong kong kong connie's uh cheap playing cello and and a harp and then they got an envelope full of cash and then you know we just went out and got drunk and stuff and so but but they, they, he had a good crew on that flight and a lot of times he won't have a good crew he'll have like these aerosexual guys who will just want to go up and look at planes and jerk off you know and um if he's like with a crew like that he'll spend three days by himself in hong kong which is you know kind of gets boring right and um he's actually been on he's been away um at times where pilots have actually committed suicide, you know. Ah, really? Yeah. So there's a quite a high there's a high rate of depression among uh, ah, really? in, with cabin crew and pilots because you end up spending so much time by yourself. And if I compare that to, to touring by myself, it's totally different. Like if if I go to a if I go to a new town or a, a playing a living room show, I'm meeting and, thirty to forty people and you're, conne- you're connecting and exactly. And, and well, everyone wants to meet you. You're playing there. It's like you're you kind of have thirty or forty new friends. That's very interesting. You know? um, analogy actually yeah the pilot the because pilots are like touring they are and, and but they it's very different and I, it's, it's it was f- funny to me to sort of experience that because i was like well i um like my mate t- you know he too he flies all over the world but he said a lot of the time it's you know he'll end up just staying in that room and watching a movie and, and um, it's just one hotel to another yeah to another. it's very it's, it's, it, i've never th- considered that analogy between yeah. a rock star life and a, and a pilot well Pilots you know, are the kind of rock stars in their own yeah that's true in their own way i mean there are yeah. there are a lot of similarities but there are like in terms of the connection you have with people it's it's very different it's very different and yeah. could be very isolating yeah definitely say yeah um well, that's so a good that's a good thing about touring is that you're kind of cramming a year's worth of experiences into a month you know, because every day, you're, like I said, you're meeting a whole bunch, you know, at least 10 to 15 new names. And um, a lot of times you might have dinner with the promoter and then you might have some beers after the show and then there'll be some, some new people, some new fans, got people who buy merch. And, and I think it's, it's, it's it, it never ends up being what you do. You find that you have a kind of picture in your head of what the show is going to be like and then it's never, yeah. it's never like it. I yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, yeah, there are definitely always surprises there. That's for sure. What's some of your, uh, or a, a classic moment you've had on, on stage tour. or on tour in recent times? Like, um, we did this show, uh, in like this medieval, there's this like, uh, I guess he's a count because his last name is Von something, you know? And, um, this this guy <laughs> lives in this ca- this castle kind of that's built on the in Hof, which is like in North uh, Bavaria. Don't know if I should say too much because <laughs> this is going to be released to the worldwide web. millions. Yeah, but anyway, he uh, he lives in a castle that's built on the like the old city wall from medieval times, and they just they built like a stage in in this room. And they put they do concerts there. Okay. So. And but he lives there with his uh, three daughters and his grandson and his wife and his girlfriend. 
So, count. So we, we played count. We, we played there and then the next morning we had breakfast and he was sitting at the head of the table with his girlfriend on one side and his wife on the other side. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> kissing, kissing them both good morning. Really? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was, it was hilarious. I actually... That's, <laughs> that's bordering... That, it's like that questions, um, you know, modern family and... Yeah, I mean, anybody, anybody who can... Who can you can rock up at dinner and say, here's my wife and here's my... Mm. That's a really interesting perspective because that oh, doesn't yeah. follow the... No, it doesn't, follow, doesn't the follow the norm at, at all. all. And again, going by what society's rules and expectations are. Mm. Especially in Bavaria. In Bavaria as well. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. So that sounds pretty classic. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he sounds like quite a... You see, he was a character. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But have you had any moments on stage where... Um, uh, like te- like technical technical stuff has gone down because I've had some doozies with yeah I and, mean and how do you deal with that when it happens I guess the you know a lot of the time on stage I'll be playing acoustic guitar so you know um, the advantage of that is if all the power goes out I can just grab the guitar and play so play unplugged which has happened a few times you know um, so if, you know. I've done quite a few living room concerts too, so I'm used to playing unplugged. And yeah, it's um. I was at a show of yours once, Knust Acoustics, and a homeless guy. Oh yeah. Out of nowhere, just uh, just appeared, and you know he 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 was he was okay at first. He was just dancing and, and yelling and stuff. <coughs> the St. Pauli man. So, yeah, man. of course, and I think it was cool because because you you just went with that and embraced it. But then he was getting a little bit. Um, annoying in a way yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think i think you had a really good balance of like you know embracing his his character but also like dude just can you back up a little bit yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know which is tough because true i you know, just got to deal with it as it as it as it happens but i'm, I'm stage stories just are always fascinating because the stuff that goes down in that moment you sort of got to sink or swim and true um yeah just stay as pre- as present as possible um and that it's a, it brings me to the question, how important do you think failure is? Actually, uh, it's our failures that, that, that define us, really. I think they're extremely important. And um, if you're going to be making a career out of living from your own creativity, I think you, you need to be well prepared that there's going to be a number of failures along the way. Welcome back. I think it was ironically cool that Joel had a guitar in his hand at his job interview. No further evidence needed there. It was also cool that he had a supportive boss. The takeaway is that there is no harm in asking. Why not strip back hours to allow space for other passions? I would love to hear from you if you have transcited a career path and how you went about it. You can contact the show at lionfurypodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned next episode for part two of the chat with Joel where we talk about the dangers of casting shows and record deals. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
Till next time, keep fiercely pursuing.